most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The second reading is from Philippians chapter 3 and into chapter 4. This will serve as the basis for the sermon today. The Apostle Paul encourages the believers of Philippi and us today to stand firm in the midst of opposition. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. The word of the Lord. Can I officially ban that hymn from the new hymnal? I don't think I can get through it anymore. Lord, you I love with all my heart. It must be one of your favorite hymns. It has just enough of that melody and majesty to lift you up where it needs to be. And just the right words for this Romeo to say everything he's trying to say back to a God who loved him first. If I didn't see Martin Schaller and Strasbourg 1577, I would swear that that was a hymn with a text and tune straight from heaven itself. (laughs) You fill your lungs with this hymn and the thoughts of what God means to me and the hope of eternal life that is surely ours for his sake. And then you turn to the world and you just say to a people who don't get it at all, what can I do? What can I say so that you would know this? Let me try again to live a life that speaks of his love. Let me try again a conversation if I've been rude in the past or if if our congregation has look distant in your eyes, in the community's eyes, what can we do differently that you would 
Give us a chance. Give us a chance to tell you about this, Lord. It means the world. You don't have to live life the way you are right now. It's so much better. I wonder if that's just a little glimpse, just a little small reflection of everything that was in Jesus' own chest as he talked about Jerusalem in the gospel for today. If it's just a little sliver of the things going on in his heart and his mind as he's filled with all of heaven's stuff. He has all of the goodness of God. Everything that glory really means is present with this one. And then he looks at the city. And then he looks at the people. And then he looks at those who would receive him not. Those those who wouldn't take him in, no matter how much he longed for them and wanted to bring them in like like a hen. How about this for a picture? Like a hen gathering her own chicks under wing. Come. But you were not willing. And I'm going to go and die for you anyway. Maybe that was just a little glimpse of the Jesus who wept over Jerusalem. There's nothing like this. There's nothing like a hymn like that. There's nothing like a faith that we enjoy. There's nothing like the God we get to proclaim. There's nothing in all the world that's like this. Is it sinking in? To bring heaven's goods into the marketplace of the world if we could only just give it away for free. If they'd only just let us, we would. We're trying. There's nothing like that. And yet... If people don't walk home from their engagement with us, from their interaction with Christians today or with the Church of God today, if people don't walk home confessing and proclaiming the name of our Savior with us and singing our hymn with us, may it not be because we didn't try. If there's a little two-year-old girl cast dead into a ditch by the road, in Minnesota as this tragic result of human trafficking connected to our city. May it not be because we didn't try and didn't care. How much more so with the open open gates of hell and many walking through its doors each and every day. We prayed in our prayer of the day today, earnestly confessing and admitting we are filled with many kinds of weaknesses. People can do lots of things that they want to do under God's allowance and control, of course, his sovereignty with our bodies. We are fragile in our bodies. And we and we also ask, Lord, that you need to protect us on the inside because we get burned and hold grudges. I don't know if you've noticed the the power people have with their negativity to get under your skin and it sticks for quite a long time. Experiences you had where you really try to be a Christian, you're trying your best to proclaim the message of love and kindness, and when it doesn't go right, that can get in there and stay there for a long time. And I'm not going to do this again, like a, like a burned, like a jilted lover. I'm not going to do this to you, with you anymore. It's like that. How are we going to battle against this? 
What is the impact of a society around you that, well, we're not throwing Christians in jail these days. That's happening maybe in the Middle East or Africa, corralling families and Christians into gymnasiums to burn them all. Asia, these things happen across the globe, probably not in our country. We have a whole different kind of persecution here in America. It's of a different, unique sort and variety, kind of like persecution by hypnosis, that's maybe what I call it. We're so numb to you now, you could just give it up. We know everything about that Jesus you try to pawn off on us in the rule book that you carry around. We know it all already, so you can, you can put it to bed, dear Christian. It's a hypnosis, you know, can I start to do this? Don't fall asleep on me. But it's, you don't need to ask your questions about the Bible so you can be a better witness in the world. Forget Bible study, dear Christian. Just put it to sleep. You're getting very sleepy, dear Christian. You don't need to bring your conversation into our courts. You don't have to bring up Christ in this place. Keep that to Sunday morning. Monday and Saturday, that's ours. Let's stick to weather and sports, please. Dear Christian, you don't need to listen to that sermon today. You can drift off and sleep. You're going to forget about it tomorrow anyway. You don't need to pursue Christian relationships at that congregation or seek out efforts in their ministry and being a part of congregational life. What's it all for? Just put it to bed, dear Christian. You don't have to know who the people next to you are. It goes on and on. I'm really good at this, by the way. If you have trouble sleeping, you know who to call. (laughs) But the Apostle Paul is suffering He's suffering from a persecution of people who didn't care for what he had to say. And as he writes from behind bars, so to speak, and he writes to believers who were persecuted by their own countrymen and and suffering with a message that they didn't want to hear anymore, this is a spiritual armor of God type reading in Philippians chapter 3. This is trying to build them up. How do we keep this voice of God out loud proclaiming in the wilderness of our day and our age? How do we keep on singing our hymn and our song in this world when people are trying to throw fruit at us and boo us off the stage? So in this way, he's going to say, in the last verses, in this way, stand firm, dear friends, you whom I love, in this way. So something that he says ahead of that time is describing the way. Paul wants to guide you in the way to stand firm in the Lord. And his first piece of advice might not be the kind of thing that you'd expect. He says, do what I do. That might not be the first piece of advice. Join together, he says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Keep your eyes. Do you have someone? Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. How many times was the Apostle Paul knocked down and he got back up again? How many times was this one-time hunter, Pharisee, Apostle Paul, now Christian, the hunted, went from city to city, tracked down by others so that they would put a stop to his messaging in the world? 
How many times was he persecuted? How many times imprisoned? How many times beaten, right? People wanted him dead. And this wasn't just one isolated city or that isolated city. This was just a string of them. It's almost like read the book of Acts and just see how this goes for many of the apostles and not just Paul. And that's his point. Society might like you to feel like you are just the sum of all your individual choices and decisions that you make. And as long as you don't hurt anybody else, you're fine. You can cloister yourself behind, behind your phone, your social media use, and your app choices. But the Apostle Paul says, no, you're a Christian. And we are in something special here. You don't just have that God that you sing about in 434. That's my God, too. And that's his God and her God and the person's God sitting next to you. This is our God. And we all are joining together in a transformation to be more like Christ, becoming ever more like him in his ever more like him in his death. So it says, think about this. Find the model of someone who's been attacked, maybe made fun of, or, or mocked for their faith. Talk to that college student sitting a pew away of what happens in the dormitory conversation about Christianity. Talk to them about what happens with various professors. Talk to somebody. I'm sure we all have a story. The Apostle Paul says, fix your eyes on this example. This is the way of Christ, after all, which we heard in our gospel for today. I'm going to keep doing my thing today and tomorrow and the next day. Feed off of this, Jesus. Feed off of each other. I'm going to keep doing what I do because I love it, because it's God's saving stuff. The Apostle Paul recognizes we are the most vital community there is. We are the most integrated and assimilated group because God makes it that way. So when the Forward in Christ magazine comes out and sits in the rack and has personal stories and testimonies in there, read them as fuel for your own faith of people who didn't quit even though his family was burned in the gym. And you pay attention to that Wells connection. It's not the time to leave church early. But the time to be encouraged by congregations who don't quit. A classmate and good friend of mine started a church outside of the Madison area. And as he was considering our call to grace, we this was this last fall or something. John Bauer is his name. He was describing to me, he said, there was lots of people in the Madison area that made it pretty clear they didn't want a new church here. And he just, he just wanted to stay and show them that we're not going away just because you don't like it. That's an example and an encouragement for you when you're in the same situation. I think of seminary professors. I think of Pastor Hebner, not just in his role as pastor at Grace, but in his role as vice president of the synod and the different blows that they have. If people don't want our synod to keep teaching like we're teaching, Lord, give them broad shoulders to take the different attacks. How many years of faithful service, how many years of getting knocked down and, and, and standing up again to pray in front of a congregation, to put out official statements that are going to be read by people who despise them for it. Keep your eyes 
on these people. That there would continue to be a a people standing firm in the Lord in this world. Why is this all so important? Well, Paul goes on to explain this is the nature of the situation. It's our human nature that we see all around us. As I've told you many times before, this is a regular part of his teaching, he says, and I now tell you again, even with tears, I have plenty of stories to go with it. Many live in an undaunted determination. This is the way they operate. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Keep your eyes on those fellow Christians because many live as enemies of the cross of Christ and they want to suck you dry like a big black hole. Why does he say enemies of the cross of Christ? Why doesn't he just say enemies of God? Because there at the ground of Golgotha, you can see clearly something special that God alone has given to us by faith. But you see the whole wide range of mockery at the cross. This is foolishness to the world. This is ridiculous. This is weak. This is lowly. This is shameful for God to do such a thing like this. This isn't praiseworthy and glorious. Even among Christians, their trophies of, of God are like, what good thing are you doing in my life instead of what wonderful Savior have you sent? So he goes to this turf of, of Golgotha to say many live as enemies of the cross of Christ to highlight that, that very different operation of our sinful nature, that wide is the way that leads to, to perish and narrow. There is the way of those who lift high the cross and celebrate it in the world. Why? Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And they glory, their glory is in their shame. Let's start with their destiny is destruction. It's a way to say that this, this was a train wreck even before it began. Their thoughts and their words and their actions against you don't ever expect it to be spiritual fruit. They're trying to sail a ship that can't even get off the shore. That's because their God is right here. They're only doing what's pleasing in the moment, not in line with one that, with whom it'd be pleasing for eternity. They're, they're feeding something only needing to feed it again. That's the way it works with many of earthly treasures and trophies. You feed this beast, you feed this belly, and you're hungry again in 30 minutes. Whatever good work you did in one moment, well, then you feel guilty about something else the next, and I gotta do another good work to make myself feel better about myself again. I gotta feed that beast. You're never gonna get anywhere when the God, your God is your stomach. You're never gonna overcome that insatiable hunger and thirst. Only God satisfies. So this is, this is his point. When you reject and refuse the bread of life and the water, why won't you drink it? You never thirst again. When you push Jesus away, you end up with something that's only as big as your stomach and it's going to die with it. And their glory is in their shame. If you want to lift up your track record to God and say, but look at how good I've been. Isn't this good enough, Christian? You want to tell me I need a cross? That's ridiculous. And they hold up all these things that are really going to crumble in their fingers on the last day, he says. It's their shame. God will say, that's filthy rags right there. Filthy rags, and you didn't see it. Do you know anybody who fits this description? 
It's painful to see. The reality of this world is we are but a breath away from hell by nature. People are not aware of it. This is our common human problem. This is our common destination of destruction without God. This is our common God of our stomach. Unless he does something about it, who can bear the sight? If we don't bring this up, Paul doesn't bring it up so we can just, well, he does so we can distance ourselves from a way that should not tempt you in any way. That ship is going to sink. Don't be a part of it. But he also does it with tears in his eyes. He does it with longing. He does it as part of a persistent attitude that I will forever weep over this. And as I weep, it spurs me to action like an amber alert. That I will do something, whatever I can. Let's refuel the choppers and go find the lost. We're never going to give up this search for the lost soul and this communication of the word of God and its truth and purity because that's God's word that saves. See, brothers and sisters, this is how you stand firm in the Lord. You reframe their opposition. I expect you to oppose me in all of this, but that's not reason for me to quit. And to go land the chopper and give up on you, that's all the more reason for me to continue to throw the life preservers out into the world, to continue to cast the net and fish for people. The Lord knows you need this, and so do I. And at the end of the day, our hope is not placed in how faithful or enduring and persevering we have been as Christians before God. Look at how good I was being faithful to you. And our hope is not also tied to the results we might receive from enduring ministry when it gets hard. But our hope is in our Lord Jesus, who continues to reassure me that he's opened up a place for me in heaven, despite all that I deserve. A triune, three-in-one God who carves out a room in his holy place for me to dwell in it in glory. Our citizenship is in heaven. You have a belonging here. And we eagerly wait a Savior from there who's not changing on you ever. You can continue to ask for forgiveness and love and strength every day of your life, and he will hear your prayer. You eagerly await a Savior from there. I don't know what's going to happen to our bodies because of opposition in this world. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. People may do something to this voice, to these thoughts, to this heart, God-given as they are. I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe I will be beaten and bloodied someday, abused by more than words and a culture. But... I do know that my Lord Jesus will be the one who has the last say over every molecule and every bone that I have. And that he will come from heaven, just as he said, to transform this lowly body so it would be like his glorious body. So glorious is more than I could imagine. Brothers and sisters, this, in this way, You whom I love and long for. My joy and my crown, he says. In this way, 
stand firm in the Lord. With imitation of fellow believers around you, with the clarification of the real dynamics at work in this world, our sinful nature and the dynamic of God's Spirit who never quits. And with the hope of exaltation, confident that this is all going to turn out just right because of him. In this way, stand firm, dear friends. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you.